Welcome to Logos. Today, I'm excited to introduce Brian Sanders. He is very involved in the field of research around how to optimize your health and achieve peak performance. As the host of the Peak Human podcast and um, the actual co-founder of the company Sapien and initiating the process of a documentary. But actually, your initial background career-wise was way different. So maybe we could start off by you giving a brief introduction to how it just came about that you've gotten into this and how your path has evolved. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. I started as a mechanical engineer, actually. So it wasn't related to this field directly, but I think it really helped me with this foundational critical thinking, scientific approach, systems thinking, root cause thinking, right? If you're building a building, you have to know, you know, the fundamentals of how structures work and physics and mechanics and all this stuff. And so you, and if it does, if something doesn't work, you don't just, you know, you can't just ignore the fundamental principles, but I think a lot of time in modern health and nutrition, we ignore fundamental principles and they'll, they'll make some claims because they'll see some observational studies that shows that say meat is bad and, but they don't look at the foundational principles of human beings and our evolution, right? And that we evolved because we ate meat, our, our bodies, you know, responded to our environment and our diets, and we got nutrient dense foods from animals and that changed our entire human body. And so that when you're trying to say that meat is bad, you're not looking at these core principles. Um, you know, you're, you're focusing on some modern observations and so that's just an example of, I think, what's, what goes wrong in the nutrition world and why sometimes there's guys like me that come from the outside that and maybe have an engineering approach. I know there's a lot of great engineers out there. Like, I don't know if you've heard of these guys like Ivor Cummins or Dave Feldman or even Dr. Ted Naiman was a mechanical engineer. And wow. there's like programmers out there that kind of come into this, like Tucker Goodrich and a lot of great people that... I just listed some of these people that are on my show and they come at it from this new angle. And I think uh, it's, it's a really powerful approach to not kind of be bought into the system that, um, you know, the healthcare system can be great and it can help you, you know, and if you get in an accident, they'll help you. And a lot of doctors are great, great people and doing great things. But the problem is the healthcare system's a bit set up for pharmaceuticals and pills and there's this whole system that they learn and a lot of times they don't doctors don't think outside of that system so that's kind of what where i'm coming from so i came you know just from this mechanical engineering background and i'm, I'm an outsider but i think i've learned a lot over the past six or seven years my personal stories i lost both my parents around the age of 30 so they uh, you know, got caught in these chronic diseases that we think are normal, right? So that, you know, just in normal US or other Western countries, everyone thinks it's normal to get Alzheimer's, cancer, type two diabetes, just take medications, high blood pressure, 
all this stuff. And that, you know, oh yeah, you're 45, you're 50, you're just on six medications. That's normal. And uh, once I lost them, and then I also started, I kind of started not being able to eat whatever I wanted anymore. You could call it, you know, you're kind of just like, oh, I'm 30. I'm like not as in shape as I used to be. I really got into this nutrition and diet and lifestyle stuff. And I've learned a lot. I've interviewed hundreds now of amazing professors, doctors, regenerative agriculture experts, all kinds of people around the world uh, to come to some conclusions that uh, I think are kind of kind of these unifying theories and simple ideas that I want to get across to people. And so I'm putting those in my film called Food Lies. So yes, that's, that's what I've been doing. And that's my story. That, that's quite um, amazing. Well, um, I'm sorry to hear that about your parents. And I, for me personally, I can pretty much uh, relate to that, not in the um, explicit sense, but in so far as these problems of our lifestyle diseases have gotten so normalized that I don't think anyone in a social context uh, has not at least one of such a story among relatives. And of course, this hasn't happened overnight. But with a gradual shift, and the individual who's not focusing on this, of course, doesn't really notice guidelines changing and the aisles in the supermarket being filled differently. Um, and so, yeah, definitely a different approach is required. Now, the, I think, adequate question here would be why? Would you be capable of making this decision? I mean, of course, there's a, a decent um, background coming from sci other scientific fields that uh, are pretty straightforward, uh, where you don't really have any politics involved because mm -hmm. it was just doesn't work. You can't take it to the extreme. You couldn't say one plus one is three. Then this would be a obvious postmodern perspective but in in topics that are for most people rather of political than scientific nature it becomes way more difficult to distinguish what agenda one has so yeah what do you think um how how do you construct concluding certain evidence and um yeah why is your opinion in this case worth more than frankly the thousands of others who've made their lives work to study this yeah that's a great question and and maybe it's not you know maybe my opinion isn't right i encourage people to always look at different sources and yeah maybe look at their bias look at their background look at their agenda and i don't think anyone has it all figured out so part of what i do is try to sift through that and look through well, there's like a hierarchy of evidence as well. We, you know, we could look at what are you basing your views on? And so my idea is trying to use the best evidence and bring in all these different smart people that I trust and then put together something. But everyone needs to do that, right? So I'm kind of trying to aggregate good information and, and 
get it to people in a simple way, but other people probably have that same approach and maybe they come to the same conclusion as me. And I think a lot of people have, and maybe some people don't. And, but then you have to look at what is their bias and what is their agenda. So I'm trying to separate myself from that. So partly why I guess I could say I have a more credible approach. I mean, I'm, I'm going off of other people's work. I'm not saying that I'm the, the nutrition expert or the, you know, food scientist, but I, uh, I'm trying to put it all together. And I'm also, I don't take on any sponsors or any, any funding or any marketing offers. So that's one thing <laughs> I, I turn down all sponsorships. People try to, you know, sponsor my podcast. And even if it's something I agree with, I still don't take it. So that's just one small thing that I do personally is, and, and my bias, I guess, is coming. Well, my, my only thing I have is I have a, a nose to tail as my a company based around selling regenerative agriculture, uh, regeneratively raised animal foods. So I do it's like my only real starting point of where I'm coming from is that animal foods are healthy. And I, th I think this is just uh, a very obvious thing and that uh, growing them well is good. So other than that, that I don't think I have a lot of uh, other biases. So uh, the problem with food and nutrition and all this stuff is that it is really political and all these different agendas do get in the way. And yeah, in, in other fields, it's a little more cut and dry. And if you're a programmer, you just learn programming and you do it. But the problem with food is there's even personal interests, right? There's personal preferences that even get in the way, right? Some people just have moral views that we shouldn't eat animals. And then they base their whole thing on that. And then they try to do science based on that assumption, which I think is wrong. Some people have cultural views where they, maybe they grew up in India and they believe that cows are sacred and they don't want to eat beef, you know? So there's all these different things where it, where it comes from, or even just what you're used to, right? If you live in a certain country and you eat certain things, then you have that you're, lo you're looking under food under that light. And so I don't, I think we shouldn't do that. I think we should just look at it from just an completely unbiased approach, disconnected from all these interests. And then, well, if you get further into the interests, there's big food companies that fund a lot of these studies. So, you know, I guess most people probably know some, some of this, right? It's like, who's spending all the money on advertising? It's who, who's, who's spending the money on studies and research? I guess people maybe don't know this is the people with all the money and all to gain, right? So if you're a big food company and you have this idea uh, that you want to show that saturated fat is bad because you have these low fat cereal products, well, basically you, you can capitalize on that. We made that mistake. It's part of my film is, you know, we made this mistake thinking that saturated fat and cholesterol were bad, you know, 70 years ago. And then that opened up the door to all these big food companies making low fat foods, right? And then it turns out there's a huge profit margin on all these foods, right? So if you can, you can go get all the, especially in America, there's cheap subsidized soy, corn, and wheat and stuff. We have tons of fields of corn, soy, and soy. The government will subsidize these. There's a lot of profit to be made on these highly processed products. You can, you can sell cereal for $5 a box and it costs 
a few cents, right, worth of ingredients in there. And so there's these high profit margins on these cheap processed foods, and then they can end up using all those profits to do all the advertising, fund studies to say that they're healthy. Famously, you know, there's this heart healthy whole grains, you know, on cereal boxes. And, you know, that's just bogus science. Like, I, I think there could even be a lawsuit on that is that claiming that it's a heart healthy whole grain and that you're telling people to eat a highly processed food and that people pay for a label like the American Heart Association developed that label and then companies have to pay to get that label. I think that is actually, you know, actually like some wrongdoing there. But that's an example of, of the, the money that's involved in this. And that my theory is that the, since the profit is in the processing and there's so much more profit margin in these cheap industrial uh, agriculture, you know, industrial agricultural foods that are just based on cheap ingredients that I don't think are healthy to humans. They're not nutrient dense. These just sugars and vegetable oils and you know, refined grains and this this type of thing. That you have all this money. And then you can do all the lobbying. You can do fun studies to try to say that other foods are bad. You can even just do all that marketing where you're blanketing the whole world with advertisements for decades, you know, promoting your foods. So that's, I think, a level people don't really think about is why do we have this perception that certain foods are healthy and certain foods aren't? And I think it's shaped by money and the, and the big food industry. And it all started with some bad science that was done, say, 70 years ago. And well, I just, that was a lot, but what I'm saying is that that's where, um, what I'm trying to undo is kind of look beyond all that stuff, look at who's funding things and look at what's truly healthy and simple in simple terms to me, it's, it's, it's whole foods and there's no money in whole foods, right? Just if you're trying to sell, like, it's not like there's this big giant industry of apples or or carrots or meats, or, you know what I mean? They, they don't have brands. It's, I mean, I guess there is some meat brands like Tyson chicken, for example, but otherwise there's not like big brands and big companies and big money made around whole foods. So uh, I think that's where the problem is, is there's no one speaking up for that. Um, and then especially animal foods, I think are, are more nutritious and have more bioavailable nutrient dense nutrition sure so well, well in particular of course you were talking about the profit margin that is really difficult with well waste uh, pastured animal products since well of course you could make a brand out of this which um, you increasingly see many especially local farmers do that as well are offering shipping their products that are building a brand for themselves, but they have kind of a hard time because of course they, they, they have to adequately price their products to even make some profit. And well, well to, to go into the particulars of the evidence because the, the typical thinker here, I believe would counter, it, it might be a possibility that most of the evidence our food pyramids and the the standard logic is based upon may be influenced by some sort of well other ideas and agendas 
but it could, I think, um, from the counter argument, be quickly dismissed as a conspiracy theory of saying, well, um, how would they even be able to make studies that don't reflect what actually happens in the study? Because you would think if they make a study that's clearly wrong, you would have to see this in the result. And I think when you ask a random person, most of them would say that uh, clinical trials are the highest standard of evidence you can get. So could you elaborate on why this may, in this case, be different? Yeah, I, and it is confusing to the public. And there has been a lot of work been done by people, especially that I've interviewed in the film, to uncover some of these studies that actually show there's great randomized controlled trials and great, uh, really strong sources of evidence, highest, the highest form of evidence. And yeah, in a randomized, like double blind placebo trials and all this type of stuff that do show the opposite of what the mainstream has been talking about for the last 70 years. And so I'd encourage people to check out Nina Teichel. She wrote a book called The Big Fat Surprise. And it took her over nine years to, she you know went through all the evidence and she brought out all the new evidence showing that cholesterol and saturated fat are not bad. And there was, there was some foul play. I, I don't think there is a, some giant conspiracy theory. It's just big business, right? I kind of just showed how you, you, we make some mistake 70 years ago. We think that saturated fat is bad. It sounds like a reasonable thing, right? Because they open up the, they'll take a dead body, right? And they'll, someone who had a heart attack and they'll be like, oh, there's cholesterol in their arteries. So then they just say, oh, well, eating cholesterol is bad. It makes sense on a very simple you know, view when you're just looking at the surface. But then we actually did a lot of these studies and found out that that's not true, that just because you eat cholesterol doesn't mean it, it, there's cholesterol in your blood, right? Your, your body isn't just simple like that. It, it converts these foods into things and then different reactions happen and then there is cholesterol in your blood. And I mean, I think there's more evidence showing that eating highly refined foods and, you know, like this, this sugar flour oil are more at play or, and smoking too, to uh, are more of the problem that creating plaques in your arteries than just animal foods, right. Or, or saturated fat and cholesterol. So Nina Teicholz kind of laid it all out in this amazing book. And there's many other people who are trying to highlight these studies that are kind of buried. So again, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's that some of these studies, so they're famously, they, they, she found a study that was buried for 16 years. They didn't publish it. And she contacted the author of the study and it's like, why was this not, why was this not, you know, published? And they said, well, we were just so disappointed with the results. Right. So it's like, they, it just went against their popular opinion at the time. And so they didn't publish it because they thought it either maybe it was wrong or they, they did the experiment wrong or they just didn't like it. Right. And this is not how science is done. So you, you can't just, uh, you know, not publish a study because you didn't like the results, but it's, it's part of the group think of the, when you have a nutrition paradigm that everyone just believes to be true. Right. So if they believed it to be true, that there's no way that eating, 
you know, saturated fat and cholesterol could be okay for humans because they had this idea that it was bad. So then if anything goes against it, they'll just minimize it. They'll not publish it or, you know, big industry won't even allow the study to be done in the first place. So it, part of it is that there's a problem when you have these preconceived notions. And part of it is that there's just money to be made. And so there, there, there is really no conspiracy theory. If you just see how, how money makes things work, right there, it's not like there's some guy pulling the strings. It's just, there's a whole bunch of people making money off of a certain paradigm of health, which is that we should eat less fat and salt is bad. And, you know, eggs are bad because they have cholesterol and a whole bunch of people made a whole lot of money. So it just continues. So yeah, I, I really don't see any conspiracy being necessary to show what happened, right? You, I mean, you can, I, I like to look into things and, you know, see if there's anything more there and you could probably talk about, yeah, there's more people pulling the strings, but the whole thing that happened in the world can be perfectly explainable with zero conspiracy at all, just with capitalism and with people making money. Well, and from, from my perspective, I wouldn't initially have a problem with this. Apart from, so there are obviously many people involved there. And as you just said, of course, um, at least the, the vast majority of this has good intentions and actually wants to help. I don't think any doctor would prescribe, let's say, a plant-based diet with the intention of harming their patient or on a broader scale, a country changing their guidelines. The, it seems to me very irrational to say, okay, perhaps even there's a certain amount of corruption that that would be a greater force than trying to have healthy citizens because, of course, this makes the complete dis difference, especially with the current evolution we see in our health, which is quite frightening. And um, I, I've as well been coming from this perspective and thinking a lot about what kind of shift has gone on in the last decades um, in our approach to life itself. And it seems to me that in just simply rates of depression and suicide, there is a kind of correlation with perhaps even the quantity of life, which you would fight for with a, well, a harsh dietary restriction discipline thrown upon yourself with a workout routine and um, these kind of stoic parts of your life in opposition to the pleasure of eating foods that maybe satisfy certain cravings. So I, I believe there, there is no going forward without addressing these underlying issues. Um, given this idea, what, what is your experience perhaps personally with um, people making changes and would you have some particular advice for when, when someone wants to get started with a shift towards a healthier and better life? 
Yeah. And I'll, I'll respond to the part about the world. Yeah. I think the problem is we have this paradigm where these plant-based and diets are better. And so that's just part of the group thing. So yes, I don't think anyone's intentionally recommending them to harm people. It's just the problem is that that's the paradigm and it, it, it's really hard to change. So yes, what I try to do when work with people, I guess your question is how to, how to get them to ch change their lifestyle and their diet is mainly, you know, part of it's about just education, about knowing what's safe. And, you know, it's kind of opposite of what some of the mainstream people will say. So if they, if they kind of know the information and know, you know, maybe they don't have all the correct information and that there's more data out there. So let them, them know it's safe. And then the idea is to find something that people can enjoy and stick to. Those are kind of my biggest things is what do you enjoy? And if you enjoy it, then you will be able to stick to it because I think diets in the sense of a, a diet, like a short-term intervention are not good. I think that those classically fail and there's, you know, stats, they say 97% of diets fail, all that type of stuff. Well, I think that it's because people have the wrong information and, and or they don't enjoy it, right? And to do something that you enjoy, you will be able to stick to it, right? And then I think, so it, it makes perfect sense to me that 97% of diets fail because most diets are, 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 don't have the right information or they don't, they're not enjoyable. If so if you're telling someone you have to eat a plant-based diet, yet humans crave meat for a reason it's part of our whole evolutionary story and it's part of our instincts and it's the supreme nutrition bioavailable great nutrition then of course if you tell someone they can't eat meat and the only healthy way to do it is to eat plant-based or to eat low fat then of course they're not going to stick to it right it's like there's only so many times you can eat a salad or you know skip out on your favorite foods and then it, it could work in the short term, right? Anything can work in the short term, right? You can eat Twinkies. There's a guy, I think he was even a professor who lost weight on a diet of all Twinkies, right? Because he just didn't eat that many calories. And of course, it's terrible nutrition and it was miserable and he was hungry all the time and it's, it's a terrible idea. But, you know, you can lose weight in the short term on anything. So the question is, what can you do to sustain a healthy eating pattern? Right. And so how do we do that? So we need to have the correct information on what a healthy eating pattern is, dietary strategy, whatever you want to call it, and how to make it something that you enjoy so that you can stick to it. And for many people, they enjoy animal foods for good reason. Like I'm saying, this is for very good reason. So if you know how to eat animal foods in a healthy way, then you can have an enjoyable, sustainable diet that has perfectly good nutrition and better nutrition than any diets that I've heard of these mainstream diets. When you actually look at the nutrients and actual like bioavailable nutrition that you get, it's actually really low. I'm trying to kind of expose this in the film. You know, if you look at a food pyramid diet, it's actually a very low nutrient diet. You're getting a lot of your calories from cheap refined foods, from sugar, flour, and oil, and refined grains, you know, and stuff like this. This is not a nutritious diet. So uh, something that's sustainable and enjoyable for a lot of people is eating animal foods. But I, like I said, in a healthy way, right? You can't just eat a bunch of bacon and steak 
with a whole bunch of French fries and sodas. And that's what most people do is they're eating, right? They're eating a junk food type diet and then they're blaming their problems on the meat. But I'm saying that the meat is your best nutrition. Meat as in animal foods in general, like eggs or salmon or meat, whatever. So if you eat those foods in a healthy way, right? Getting rid of the processed foods and you know, junk foods, snacks, all this type of stuff, then what I've seen, and I work with a doctor and we have a whole health care thing in Los Angeles and, and sort of online. And, I, you know, I work with a lot of people. What we always see is reversal of disease, type two diabetes going away, putting in remission, getting off all their medications, losing weight, feeling great, blood pressure going down, blood markers going down, HCL getting better, you know, all these things, if people just simply eat in a human appropriate, I call it sapien diet, sapien framework. It's like, this is what humans should eat. And it, it's not that complicated and it's not that restrictive. If you just are eating, embracing animal foods, eating the protein and fat, you know, from these animal sources, and then having some other foods along with it that aren't highly refined, you don't have to do some restrictive diet. It's not, it's not restrictive. I mean, maybe it's tough when someone, when people around you are constantly eating McDonald's and like, you know, trying to go out and get all these really, you know, processed junk foods, maybe it's hard, but, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. You, you know, you got to make some changes or, or you're just gonna, if you want to do that, you're just gonna end up like everyone else. And, you know, in America, at least that's 88% of people being metabolically unwell. So, well, yeah. of course, um, if perspective to this, because of course, it the social setting for most people is a hurdle. But given you enjoy the company of those around you, I believe you would like to prolong this and um, you know, initially you were talking about the great importance of actually individually thinking about this deeply and understanding what you are doing and why, because this definitely heightens your success rate. For example, when you go on a healthier diet and have a certain sugar withdrawal, not that you suddenly think you're doing something bad because you have certain symptoms and then you return because uh, you just didn't educate yourself well and that's a good point actually yes yeah. i'll jump in real quick I, I know people like that so so yes they're addicted to sugar and they their your body is used to even their gut microbiome might, might be used to getting all these sugary foods they they stop eating them and then they feel bad and then they go back and then they report to me they're like oh i tried your diet and i just felt bad I'm like, yes, you felt bad because it's basically you're going, you're like a heroin addict getting off a of heroin. Of course, you're going to feel bad. So yeah, keep going. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. And even with, with the culture going on, it, if you can uh, convince yourself, and that's quite difficult because uh, as just mentioned, it's simply a, a withdrawal from an addiction. Uh, if you manage this, um, perhaps you're able to convince your loved ones to make a certain change. And 
every single gradual shift makes a great difference. And in a social settings, this, uh, of course, amplifies itself and can spread quite rapidly. So that's, I think, a, a very useful tool. And that's why as well, I, I'm very, um, yeah, I think it's great for you to make a, such a kind of documentary because it seems like the, the average person, you wouldn't go to PubMed and start reading studies. Mm. But if, if something like this comes into your uh, feed, then it's, it's way likelier that you consider the information and uh, perhaps are convinced to make a lifestyle change. And only positive things can arise from that, I believe. Well, absolutely. And like I said, it, it's your social environment and it's really hard. But if you do make those changes, you expose people around you to this new information, then it won't be so hard because they'll be on the same page as you. And this is what I've done. I surround myself with people who get it, who eat the same way I do and understand nutrition the way that I do. And now it's super easy because everyone around me, it's like when we go get together, people are bringing healthy foods and we're, you know, we're grilling steak and we're eating, you know, avocados and whatever else with the steak, you know, it's like, it's, it's simple. It's great. It tastes good. And people are on the same page. And so, yeah, the, the best thing you can do is get people on the same page as you. And guess what? All these people, they're super healthy. So all the people around me are very successful, very smart, very healthy. They're very athletic. It, it's really great to find this kind of tribe the uh of people it, it's it's almost universal when people make these type of changes they have these great results so absolutely that's what we're trying to do with the film and and get it to uh the mainstream and something that's really understandable and digestible to the everyday person well that's a huge component and um a few days ago i've talked to brett lloyd um He's a part of MeetRx, a, mm. a big community led by uh, Dr. Sean Baker. And it's phenomenal what they are achieving through simple dietary changes, mostly. And this man had struggled over 40 years of his life with mental illness in terms of heavy depression, with um, yeah, visual impaired symptoms and a heavily distorted perception. And looking at him now, you would never notice the person he used to be. And now he's changing people's lives. You know, he has even started, already stopped someone from committing suicide. Mm. It's incredible what you can achieve through the simple change. And he's uh, brought forth this idea that this change, you know, re returning to, um, and I really like this idea of uh, how we used to be, the sapien, that this not only improves your physical function, but with this, you kind of return to the, the emotional peace and the person you, you should actually be when you're not chronically stressed by inflammatory oils, oils and sugar. So uh, it's, it's very interesting what 
potential these ideas have. And I can just say, um, keep going with your work. It's very important. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I should say it's way more than weight loss and like, yeah, looking fit. I'm glad you brought all that up because I know many people who've had all these same changes mentally. I've, I've known people, many people actually reach out to me. They're like, Hey, I, I started, I cut out sugar and all these refined grains and I used to have a big problem with alcohol and now I don't even drink anymore. And it, it's just amazing because, you know, it's part of that thing. It's like, you get so many benefits from this, whether it be your gut microbiome, maybe it's, you know, not needing all this sugar and your body just doesn't need anymore. Or if it's even the mental thing where if you're chronically inflamed and chronically just feeling bad from the food you're eating, that maybe you need that alcohol to try to, you know, make you feel better. And then once they feel great, they don't even need the alcohol anymore. And I know people that have reversed their bipolar disorder, which is, you know, amazing. People have done so many things with this, this mental side and become more stable mentally. I see it all the time, just less anxiety, all kinds of mental benefits, more energy, just, it, it's really amazing. Uh, it's, it goes far beyond just, yeah, like physical looks and, and weight loss. Even though that's a, a great initial point for it seems to be the, the greatest motivator most people have to make such a change since this is kind of what, what the general public mainly, yeah. mainly associates. Uh, for, for weight management, you have diet and lifestyle, and for everything else, we have drugs. Mm -hmm. So from this perspective, of course, it's, it's going to be a surprise that this is possible. But yeah, uh, as already mentioned, by spreading this evidence, and in this case, every single anecdote can... I believe build up to studies and learning more about this and spreading this in the mainstream. You mentioned Ted Naiman. Uh, uh, I've as well am familiar with his work, and it's it's great the uh, the from from the actual medical field where they can implement this into people's lifestyles because they actually have the authority and people believe them when they mm -hmm. say, "Hey." change your diet and this will happen. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. Ted's great. Dr. Ted's in the film. So, and I, and I, I love his approach. His is like a very simple approach of just up your protein to energy. So for people not aware of this concept, carbs and fat are energy, right? And then protein is kind of your building blocks and well, nutrients. So it's well, the idea. It, well, yeah. And in the detail, it definitely can be energy. Uh, through gluconeogenesis, it is possible, but since, uh, and famously, there's this phenomenon of rabbit starvation, yeah. where uh, I think explorers in the Arctic that only ate very lean meat of rabbits, um, yeah, couldn't survive on that, simply because they had no way of extracting enough protein, uh, energy from the protein, to meet their energy demands, because it can, while it can be used to fuel the brain to some um, extent and other tissues, you cannot convert it to body fat. So yeah, the, the idea there is these people got too lean, so they didn't have any fat to burn, and that's when they ran into problems. But you know, someone who has a lot of fat stores, someone who's really overweight, 
if they just ate protein, they would use their fat stores as energy. And so they wouldn't have a problem. The problem is when you take it too far, which is what happened to these explorers is they didn't have, so they went through all their fat stores and now they didn't have anything. And then also I should say that fat is not just energy. Fat is a great source of fat soluble vitamins and you know, animal fat has a lot of other nutrients in it and helps you absorb vitamins and stuff. So uh, I'm not saying that fat is just energy, but I, I back to this idea that you want to have a higher protein to energy ratio in your diet. And that's a great way to kind of lose weight and have all these other benefits because, um, yeah, protein, protein's great. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's all these other details that we don't need to get into now, but it, it's just kind of like a simple idea to, if you need to lose weight, to eat more protein in your diet. Absolutely. Um, and that's a great starting point to suddenly have the energy to work out and then build muscles with that protein and yeah, to continue improving. So maybe uh, to, to close this up, um, where perhaps can people find you and your show? Um, and when is your documentary coming out? Yeah, I'm food lies on most social media platforms. If you just put in food lies, you'll find me. I'm most active on Instagram. I do YouTube videos as well on food lies and the film food lies should be coming out by Christmas. It's, it's been a long journey. The whole COVID stuff slowed us down. We went to Africa recently to film with some tribes and we, we got this whole evolutionary story and um, yeah, we we've been filming for years. The people I've named, or you've named are in it. Sean Baker's in it, Ted Naiman, a whole bunch of more doctors and archaeologists and scientists and around the world. So uh, you can ch check that out, foodlies.org. And uh, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for being on the show. All right. Thank you.